This is the SCT Show. Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana. Nope, GM fucking bat 1000. It's not, it's never, it's not possible. You can't bat 1000. And Nam Man. Jim's like literally like probably struggling. Like, what, what is this? Nobody told me that there's math involved in this job. <laughs> Season two. What a day in Knoxville. Nam here. We got producer Rana. We got producer. Uh, producer Rana, my producer Raja, <laughs> producer Ryan. No Tanvir Rana. I don't think we're gonna have Tanvir Rana here today. You might no Rana. There's, there's Raja, no Rana. No Rana. No Rana. But uh, we got Ryan. Shit. We got Ryan. Ryan Raja Rana. I mean, come on. Like that's what we should have <laughs> called the show, right? <laughs> Ryan Raja Rana show. But holy shit, what a freaking day! We got good news. We got bad news. Let's start with the good news. Nate Schmidt is a Vancouver Canuck. Roger, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, the top pairing that everybody, or the top four, I guess, in general, that everybody was talking about when it comes to this defensive core for the Canucks uh, is actually not going to be downgrading, right? As, as much as Troy Stetcher's a loss, it's it's not as big as a gain uh, as Nate Schmidt is. You know what I mean? So yeah, Schmidt, what he, does, what he does to come in, is go, it does a you know a fantastic job uh, by Jim Benning to to bring a player like that in, and he's going to slot right next to Quinn Hughes on that right side, even though he's a lefty, uh, and it gives you so much flexibility, right? Like we had, we saw last year when the Canucks were down a goal, Hughes and and Tyler Myers were, were a pairing, which they did very well at when they were needed to try and create offense, and your shutdown pairing was a guy like Alexander Edler and Chris Tanev, which obviously on paper isn't bad, but when you factor in how many games those guys play in a year and the injury history, it's it's not all that great to have two guys when you're trying to protect the lead that aren't also great at moving the puck out either. And now you've got mobility on both of your defensive pairs. You've got guys that are trustworthy on both of your defensive pairs. And I don't really care necessarily too much about the big ticket because of how great of a player Nate Schmidt truly is. He's a real number two on this team and on any team, right? That's the role that the Vegas Golden Knights played him in as well. So a great signing or a great trade, I should say, for the Vancouver Canucks. And the value that they get for him is tremendous. It's not only a third-round pick, uh, you know, it's a third-round pick, but it's it's the third-round pick that's happening in 2022. So yeah. a couple of years down the road. Uh they get great value for a real number two. And, and of course, situations like this wouldn't happen, number one, if it wasn't for the cap structure of the Vegas Golden Knights signing out Alex Petrangelo. And number two, a little bit to do with the COVID-19 world that we live in as well. Does his age scare you? He's 29 now. Just for so, 29 in July. Yeah, so this is something that, you know, ever since they acquired JT Miller last year, they have definitely looked to get guys past the age of like 26 and i don't know if that has to do with the fact that it's just easier to get those guys like you're not going to get a guy that's in his prime at the age of 24 for simply a first round draft pick or for simply you know a third round pick in, in this uh in this sort of conversation that we're having so it's yeah it's a lot easier to get a guy that's a little bit older um but also like i think jim benning is just targeting guys that are, are perhaps a little bit more you know in that 27 to 29 age range which is 
kind of the prime, I guess. I don't know if that's the way yeah. some people want to think of it. Maybe not so much anymore. It definitely probably was a few years ago. Um, the age doesn't necessarily scare me. I still do think like, I know that that 30 number is scary to some people. As soon as you hit, uh, you know, age 30, all of a sudden your player is going to dip off. I don't know if that's necessarily true for guys that are, you know, real talented. I'm not saying that Chris Tanov wasn't. High Tanov, was a guy, yeah. Tanov was a guy that was hurt, you know, well into his mid twenties. And so, you know, his age doesn't scare me. And especially, you know, think about this, like think about how talented Alex Edler was at 29, right? He was great. And the Alex Edler that we're talking about now is 35 and we're just starting to talk about his decline. Yeah. So his age doesn't necessarily scare me too much. No. I think typically the, the whole 30 thing to me is more of a, you don't want to sign a guy who's 30 because you're probably, you know, to a long-term deal that is, right? Because you're, you, the back end of that deal is, is sort of age 34, age 35. Here, if I recall correctly, I think Nate Schmidt's last year is 33. So it's not bad, I would say, borderline. It's probably a little bit okay, a little scary. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, it's not a buyout-proof contract if it gets to, like, a really bad okay. scenario. And you're not talking about, like, a, a player at the age 33, 34 completely falling off of a cliff here, right? Like, yeah. we here in Vancouver are a little skeptical based on what we've seen, especially yep. with Louis Erickson. Yep. Uh, but that's, like, not going to happen. Uh, you know, yeah. there's no a doubt. Forward versus defense as well, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. And, and no, no, doubt, no doubt in my mind when a player yeah. – a player is going to be different in terms of his skill set at the age of 34 mm -hmm. versus at the age of 29. Of course, and, he's and probably not. He skates very well too, right? Yes, like, he's very yeah. mobile, and yeah. he's not. He's not going to play the same at, at age 34 as he is at age 29. That does not mean his his play is going to drop off like, like exponentially to the point where he's not even valued at any and anywhere in that lineup for the Vancouver Canucks, even as a number six guy, for example, right? And yeah, you might have to take a $5.9 million cap hit for a year or whatever, but this is not the time to be worrying about five years down the line when it comes to yeah. a cap hit for Nate Schmidt, right? And I'll tell you this. I mean, when we're, when we're comparing against last year's, you know, big defensive acquisition, Tyler Myers, I mean, this is night and day, right? I mean, this is amazing. Like, like so much better, right? I mean, Tyler Myers is a contract that I think you know, most people could be afraid of at the, at the back end, and it's fair. Here, it's such it's a speculation that he might dip in those last couple of years, and even then, like you could potentially probably get a still a, a number three, number four guy out of it, and it's pretty good. But what do you think about this whole? I mean, there's a different angle to this that I, I want to get your thoughts on as well. Is Vegas was in a in a jam here, and yet we gave up the pick. We gave up also a top three you know for top top 90 pick uh what are your thoughts that potentially here there was an opportunity to maybe have the acquisition price be even lower or maybe even get the pick back i mean there weren't so, a lot of options i would imagine vegas had well i would also say that the that nature had definitely had other teams go after him, right? Like we saw that there was a report that the Florida Panthers acquired him yesterday or a couple of days ago, and then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. Here, here's the you know my counterpoint to that is you get a top two defenseman for a third round pick two years from now, right? Like that is taking advantage of a team. What in which world are you going to ever get that kind of a price from a team? In a COVID um, world. In a co exactly. But that's right? the and, thing. I mean, who's got same, who's got thirty million? 
the same thing to be the same thing could have been said about um uh Oliver Ekman Larson when you know people were talking about what the price for him was going to be and the Canucks were seemingly the only team that were involved. Yeah, the Bruins were in there, but they were kind of have half half a foot in, half a foot yeah. out. And right, it was really the Canucks. And yeah, I guarantee you that what included in the Canucks offer was probably a first round draft pick, right? And yeah. that's because you know, just because it's a COVID world, just because the team is cap strapped, does not mean that good players aren't going to get a, a high return, right? Yeah. The Oliver Ekman Larson stuff was compared so much to the Ryan Kessler trade that Jim Benning made. I think it was his first trade as a yeah. member of the Canucks. And, you know, he still got back a first round draft pick for Ryan yeah. Kessler, and there was only two yeah. teams for him as well. So, no, a third round pick, I don't like, I don't know if you can make the argument that. The Canucks should have gotten a pick on top of that when you just got a legitimate bona fide number two defenseman that's going to slot in very nicely against your franchise guy on the blue line for simply a third round pick two years down the road. Yeah, I would say on paper, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, that those acquisition prices that we're talking about. I mean, we heard rumors of a first, a prospect, yeah. and, and and a young player. You know, I mean, a lot of rumors were like Jake Vertanen was going to be in that trade, and and then they obviously kind of couldn't agree on the prospect there. So, no doubt about it. On paper, the price to acquire, uh, you know, Schmidt here is much better. Um, however, with that said, you know, the upside of Oliver Ekman Larson was, was probably higher, but then it also came with a higher risk of, of, you know, the cap that we're talking an extra $2 million, assuming that Arizona didn't retain. So all yeah. in all, I mean, no doubt about it. I would say from that angle, this is a positive thing. Uh, and you know, I, if like, you're, yeah, on, on that point of Oliver Ekman Larson, like the high end offensive ability is, is definitely there. I think like he's a guy that can get you up to 60 points potentially, right? If he's playing yeah. at his peak and maybe he's gotten uh, away from that in the last couple of years, but also Arizona's system I, has changed. I don't think, I don't think he would have got 60 here though, right? Like that, that juicy power play time is yeah, not going to be available. That's going to be gone too. My point is though, like he, that's, that's potential. Like that's the high end offense side that I, potentially see an Ekman Larson. Maybe he can get to 60 points. And I think that's what probably infatuated the, the Canucks a little bit too. But with this one, you're paying approximately $2 million less for Nate Schmidt, but the all around game is so much better and yeah. the contract is so much better. And, you know, if this was presented to Jim Benning, you know, right on day one of free agency, Hey, on that Friday, let's say when, the, when the, the the deadline was made for Oliver Ekman Larson. Hey, listen, you have two choices to make. You have one choice to make: either take Ekman Larson at this cap hit or take Nate Schmidt. As a Canucks fan, you would hope that he takes Nate Schmidt. You know, it, it's quite funny that you say that. Uh, so I'll, I'll say one thing on that on that point. I think you can make an argument that Nate Schmidt is is a, a better fit here than even Oliver Ekman Larson because he's played those juicy juicy tough minutes right like really really challenging minutes and he's played them fairly well and, and that's the kind of defenseman that we really needed right like i've been saying it i said i think i said it on other episodes as well we really needed a tan of replacement and, and i'm quite happy that i do feel like we've got a, a tan of replacement here but speaking of tan jim made an <laughs> offer right yeah i mean that's the part that makes this entire situation quite comical Jim not only made an offer to Tanev, he also made a pretty big offer to Barry. If either of those things hit, this opportunity is no longer on the table. 
even for this opportunity to be presented, we needed um, Vegas to, you know, and the whole Petrangelo thing to happen, right? I mean, that's literally how all of this, you know, worked out. It's kind of funny how sometimes that happens, right? And and again, I will say, um, you know, kudos to Jim on, on a couple things that I give him credit for. Kudos to him for not overpaying for Markstrom. I do think that's an overpayment. Kudos to him for not overpaying for Chris Tanev. Again, another overpayment. Good God, I would I would have just shredded that contract of Jim, you know, paid in. In fact, even for me, like I wasn't really down with the whole two years, four million dollars offered either. Kudos, and, and quite frankly, I'd even say thank you, Tyson Berry, potentially for not taking the Canucks offer here. Uh, even though you know, I think Berry, you know, I would have enjoyed you know to see what he would have brought to this table. I don't think he's a he, he's a he's a right fit compared to like Schmidt. I mean, the, yeah. my only concern with Schmidt is, and it and it's such a light concern that I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it's probably not even going to be meaningful. It's just more of a he's really only done this for the last couple of years, and he's and he's done it on a really good Vegas team the last three years, and you just hope and wonder that this isn't one of those sort of you know peak performance. Um, you know, that, that he's had kind of, you know, in, in his career arc. And, and you hope that he can keep playing well. Um, he, from some accounts, he dipped a bit defensively this year. But at the same time, it also seems like they were fed really difficult matchups. He played with um, McNabb, I believe it was, was his yeah. main partner. And, and then they were fed the tough matchups while um, Theodore, who, by the way, looked amazing in the playoffs, um, was, was fed some of the softer matchups. So again, that I totally see this being a Edler Schmidt, you know, sh- shutdown type of pairing. I, I'm hopeful that you know he'll be able to play well, and 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 I look forward to that. But um, yeah, I mean, all in all, uh, considering some of the options that were available, uh, you know, back then, I eh, don't really care for him. And and even Hamannik, um, another guy who's had some injury issues, um, both, comes both up with risk, right? Both are great players. Like Kamenek and Batten on this blue line would look tremendous, I think. The difference in them and Schmidt, though, Schmidt. to me, is, is night and day. Another right? level, right? Yeah. yeah, I think both those guys come with a little bit of injury history, Vatanen and uh, Travis Hamannik as well. And yeah. Nate Schmidt, to your point, is you're getting a guy who is used to playing in these big minutes, right? He's used to having a lot of zone time in his offensive zone the difference now though is he's playing with another rover defenseman and quinn hughes very likely and and i do uh, think that i think, going to be the there. There. I, think I do so? think you know what like last year they spent the canucks spent quinn hughes and tyler myers when they were down a goal to try and bring that offense right and when they were up a goal to secure the lead they had edler and tanev and i think that's the pairing Edler and Schmidt, they'll go to to try and protect the lead. Late late in the game. Yeah. But in, you know, try and keep the balance of everything. Yeah. I think they'll keep it as an offensive guy in Tyler Myers with a more defensive-minded guy with uh, Alex Edler and then a offensive guy in Hughes with a more mobile, half-and-half, two-way guy like Nate Schmidt. I mean, we always get exciting with pairings, but, you know, coaches are always like blender, right? It's going to change. <laughs> it's going to you know, change. <laughs> game one, second period. Exactly, and right? The thing with like Tyson Berry on, on that note as well, like what I'm, you know, happy about that, why they never necessarily got him is like, 
you've got Quinn Hughes, you've got Tyler Myers. Adding Oliver Ekman Larson and adding Tyson Berry is just making another offensive zone guy or off offensive type defenseman, which is great. I mean, that's the way the NHL is trending, I guess. But you don't necessarily have guys that are tremendous in their own zone. With with Nate Schmidt, I think that's exactly the type of defensive D man that the Kennedy league killer. Is exactly that the league is trending towards, right? A mobile guy, fantastic skater, great in the defensive zone, great at boxing players out, great penalty killer. And on top of that, he can provide you some offense. He's great at moving the puck out as well. He brings all of these necessities. Like if you watch some of his uh, highlight reel or if you just watch him, his gameplay, the ability to move the puck out for uh, Nate Schmidt is, is great. Like he gets the puck off of his stick within two seconds. It's on his stick in the blue line and it's distributed right away. A part of that has to do with the Vegas style that they play. They play a very fast style, a very quick transition game. But what allows them to play that game is the defenseman that they have. And Nate Schmidt was a big part of that. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, you know, like the biggest thing really was you hope that they would be able to find an upgrade on Tanev. And it sounds like they have. Yeah. So while this was the good news and, and it kind of came at the end of the day, that's not how the day started, though, right? <laughs> the day started in a much different tone. News broke early, you know, in the morning or, you know, around, I guess, uh, close to, to, to lunchtime for us here that Tyler Toffoli has signed a four-year, $17 million deal with the Montreal Canadiens. He is no longer a Vancouver Canuck, a $4.25 million AAV, which is even less than what was being rumored being discussed you know earlier earlier in the month yeah your thoughts on that well first of all like the the narratives you know on connects twitter change so much when something bad and something good happens like i completely thought that that tyler tofoli trade or that tyler tofoli deal in montreal was like a completely different day you know what i mean it was so bad and so gloom and it, earlier on in Canucks Nation, then it kind of got happier a little bit rough. later on. As, <laughs> it was rough, man. Day, it, was, it was rough out there. Like, like, completely like, doom and gloom, and then it got better when the Nature yeah. signing happened. But, you know, it's it's tough, right? Like, you're right. We we talked about how much Tyler Toffoli is potentially going to make, and some of the figures we're saying, hey, five and a half million. That's what he six. could be demanding, right? Maybe yep. six million, and then... He gets it $4.25 million for four years as well with Montreal and 500K more than Furland. Yeah. Like, just think 500K. Like 500K is like nothing, right? Yeah. 500K more than Furland. And He's making just a bit over a million dollars more than, than Beagle and Roussel. He's making less than a million more than Barchi. You know, what's, what's annoying about it and what's, I think, what a lot of people were upset about is that. Like, what are you doing? In Like, not literally. Actually, not, like, figuratively, I guess. More so literally. Like, are you making an offer? Is there an offer out even? Right? Like, we don't know these kinds of things. Like, we talk about him, Benning and the Canucks, wanting to add a, a defenseman, which they did later on. We talk about him wanting to add a top six forward. Perhaps another centerman up the middle. Perhaps another guy to replace Troy Stetcher. We have all these balls in the air. But that phrase, having balls in the air, has been there since the first day since they got knocked out against the Vegas Golden Knights. So up until today, what the hell have they been doing? And that's what the thought process was when Tyler Toffoli gets signed. You have him at a great number. Yeah. Uh, you know, like... He's it, a great it, fit. 
PD wants him here. He wants to be here. So it baffles my mind. Like, what exactly are the Canucks doing? Especially, like, their narrative is going to be that they don't have cap space. And now after the Nate Schmidt signing, they they don't. Because you've still got to sign Goddard. You've still got to sign Jake Vertanen, right? And you you can try and create cap space when the season starts. We'll see what happens with Louis. We'll see what happens with Furland. You've still got these bad contracts on the books. But let's not forget... You can be over the salary cap by ten percent in the off season. Yeah, like to me, there is no reason why Tyler Toffoli is not a member of the Vancouver Canucks right now. And listen, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, if Jim Benning says, you know what, we don't want Tyler Toffoli. I don't know, he's bad in the locker room. Whatever. Like, if there's a reason, God knows why, then there still has to be a backup plan to acquire another top six winger, which you clearly still need. I mean, this guy was such a perfect fit here. I mean, he fit like a glove. He fit with the group. I mean, this contract was a steal. Uh, Like, and one thing I want to make clear is, you know, the Schmidt deal, like, yeah, we can be all happy about it. That does not excuse the fact that they completely missed out on Toffoli here. That doesn't excuse the fact that they paid a second round draft pick and Tyler Madden, a guy who was arguably speaking a top three prospect for them for 17 games. 17 games where their win record was actually below 500 and when he played with us like like it just that sucks and and and, and it sucks because quite frankly he was actually a good fit too moving forward with this team right when we're talking about the complete team here right like and I get it they acquired Toffoli because they were scared about you know the whole Besser injury at that time and pre-COVID I, I get all that and, and you know what quite frankly from in terms of the price even that all of that stuff was fine but you gotta get him signed, right? Like, even if that meant that you needed to trade away a Sven Barchi for a second round draft pick, hell, even if that meant you needed to give away a Jake Vertanen, you gotta get this done. I mean, to me, it's inexcusable. I'm sorry, but you know, I know Tanbeer loves Jake, and I know Tanbeer is going on about, oh, Jake's gonna do a great in the top <laughs> six, and blah, 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 blah. I get all that, and that's all wonderful stuff, but like, I'm sorry, give me Toffoli over Jake any day of the week, man. Completely. And listen, let's be honest. They they made that trade for Tyler Toffoli because Brock Besser went out, right? That's why that happened. But don't get don't get it twisted. They still needed a top six forward, even yes. with Brock Besser in the lineup. That's absolutely fine. Right? Just because Brock absolutely. Besser went out, Jim Benning, like in his mind and with his group, he was justified in trading a second round pick when the team was, you know, iffy about making the playoffs. If there wasn't for a COVID world, who knows if the Canucks would have even made the playoffs. And then that signing or that trade was going to be ripped apart even more, right? You could, and, you could make the argument that they need two top six forwards right now, right? Because Pearson, I still think, is a borderline top six guy who's Pier- probably better suited as a, as a third line guy, right? Pier- Pearson on your third line would be fantastic. fantastic. Playing alongside on Goddard. I don't, I like, that's where Tanner Pearson probably fits long-term. I don't know if he's going to get another contract after this with the Canucks, but that's like a long-term fit would be on the third line. As of yeah. right now, I don't know that like, you're right. The Canucks do need more than one top six forward, but I don't see them addressing that through trade or free agency. That has to be Hogland or has to be Pod Colson. They're right? just not ready, though. They're not ready. No, they're not and, ready. And I mean, unfortunately, this is the thing. This is where we're we're stuck in this weird world where the next wave of our prospects are probably two years away, and yeah. yet 
we've got some guys like Nate Schmidt, who's 29 this year, right? Like, I mean, he, you know, like, like it's almost sort of like you can easily make the argument that they kind of need a push now, right? Like they don't, they really aren't in a position to be waiting around for a couple of years. And if they have that push now, they can actually, you know, do well with it. And, and this market, I mean, especially for the forwards, Taylor Hall going to Buffalo because nobody else was willing to do more than $8 million. Like, I mean, the forward deal are going to be crazy. Just wait until Hoffman, Granlund, and all these other guys, Dandanov, you know, like wait until all those guys settle. Like there's some steals to be made here. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, it, like, and I don't know even if this would get it done, but if, let's say, Ottawa would say, all right, to take on Ericsson, we need Jake Vertanen, knowing what's on the market right now, I would do it. I, I, I mean, I, w- I want that cap space. I would do it because I think you could legitimately pick up two top nine players, no doubt about it, maybe even three, considering how cheap you're going to get guys. Like a guy like Eric Halla might come in for like a million and a half. You know, I mean, there's just no money on the market for forwards. I mean, what the biggest thing I learned and, and one of the things that I, you know makes the price for Schmidt understandable is defensemen were the priority number one, right? Like everybody went after defensemen, especially those right side guys, right? They all got signed. There's just nothing left for the forwards, right? And I mean, I mean, even now, like you look at uh, Colorado, they made another fantastic trade for Devon Tays, um, two second round draft picks. I mean, everybody's just trying to load up on defense and, and the forwards are just twiddling their thumbs, just waiting for something to happen. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Hoffman. I, I don't think Hoffman's going to get as much as Toffoli. I'd be surprised. I think Hoffman's more of a, you know, power play specialist relative to Toffoli's all around game. Um, I mean, there's there's steals to be to be. I, I, I think Hoffman's. I think Hoffman's a better player. I'm not necessarily sure exactly what he's going to get, but you're right. Like the forward market right now is the the time. To cash in long term, right? Like totally cash in right now. We're talking about like Tyler Toffoli signs. It's a it's a short. It's a smaller cap hit, right? It's not that much. Four point two five million. Four point two five is nothing. But the term is also long. Like that's great for Montreal. That's for a guy who's like I think what is he twenty eight now? I think yeah. You know, like that's fantastic. They don't only they don't only get him for a you know one or two years. They get him for a a significant period of time in which they've got some prospects that could come up and help and build around them, right? And so that's a great fit in Montreal. And speaking of Tyler Toffoli going to the Habs, like that's traditionally a market that has swung and missed. On every yeah. free agent signing that they yes. go after, yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. And now all of a sudden they go and get a guy like Tyler Toffoli. And listen, you're right. Like for me, the Toffoli thing is disappointing because you're going to get these players on pennies on the dollar, and that's the Big same time. thing in the trade market, right? That's why you got yeah. Schmidt at that price. And you're right about Eric Holla types. You're right about you know Jimmy VC. He's a fourth line player. You can Was probably eight hundred K. Eight hundred thousand dollars, nine hundred thousand. He signed for eight hundred k with Toronto. Yeah, Jimmy VC did. Like, I mean, that's sick. Like, I, I, you know, Granlin's another guy who I don't think's gonna get a lot, and I think there's some some potential, some good value there. You know, I mean, it was, it's not too long ago that Granlin was pretty pretty much like a 70, 70 point like yeah top line center with Minnesota, and he's only like twenty eight. Yeah, you know, I mean, like there's there's value to be had where you can add a 
very, very good player for we're talking three, four million dollars that significantly boosts your team and can actually, you know, with the elite talent that we've actually got here, it can make us potentially a cup contender even as early as next year. I mean, Vegas is going to be tough, right? Because, I mean, Vegas, they went out there and they basically upgraded Petrangelo with Schmidt. And obviously, they're putting a lot of emphasis on on Cody Glass to be their second-line center next year. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that happens. But, I mean, they're gonna, they've obviously gotten better. Um, but still, I mean, I think we don't know what the full season is going to look like next year. Um, but there's an opportunity if we can clear some space here. There's bargains to be had where you can look back and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm actually okay going out there and having given up a second-round draft pick to dump some salary because I probably would have paid a second-round draft pick to add this guy at the deadline anyways. Yeah, right? and that's a fair <laughs> point. And, and, this, and this way, you know, the thing is, at least you can guarantee uh, – well, not necessarily guarantee, but you can try and negotiate it in a way in which a you get a guy – Exactly, where you get longer term, so you you can justify the cost with a second round pick. Now, listen, Absolutely. the markets the markets going to freak out because you just gave up another second when you could have just had Tyler Toffoli and you wouldn't have to do that. Regardless, it is what it is. You messed up. You made the you made the choice. You have to figure it out now, and that's been yeah, my thing with been with Jim Betting, right? Like I have been now sort of on the opposite side of, of you yeah. and a lot of Canucks Nation when it comes to Jim Benning and when it comes to my thought process on the salary cap, right? Like, I've been a guy that said, let's let's not send the Wolves after Benning just yet. I mean, we have to wait and see and get to the culmination point and figure out what this team is going to, like, what's going to happen when, you know, we have to try and sign these guys and, and make these moves really happen. And this offseason is that point in which we really truly figure out if those bad contracts, quote unquote, is what, if they, if they handcuff the Canucks or not. And I've been one of those guys that said, let's wait because they can still move out Sutter. They can move out Erickson potentially. Maybe they can move out Rossell. We'll see what they had to do with Jordy Ben, right? There's ways to maneuver around the cap. You might have to give up some assets, but the team should not regress so much because you've gotten money off the books and you're still bringing guys like Schmidt in. You're re-signing to Foley. You're bringing in another guy on your defensive core. You're bringing in somebody else uh, depth-wise on your forward group. The team is going to build on what happened last year. And that was sort of my stance. And then all of a sudden we get like, you know, 78 hours or whatever we are now into free agency and yeah. the Canucks just haven't done anything. Yeah. Right. So the Nate Schmidt deal now is like, okay, at least it's, you know, pointed in the right direction, yeah. but there's still more stuff to do, right? You still have yes. to address many holes on your Top roster. Six, bottom six still sucks. And quite frankly, they don't really have much of a bottom pair right now. I mean, I, I know yeah. that you'd like to save one spot for either Yolevi or or Rathbone, but you know Jordy Ben, nah, Jordy Ben can't be your number five defenseman. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, and, right? So, like, you know, and that's the thing. Like, it has, like Travis Green is going to be on Jim Benning's head if he does not provide a a bottom pair guy, right? Like, you do not want to be a team that's relying on four guys. How long were the Canucks doing that for? Yeah. That's the reason that you had to go out and get Tyler Myers. Right, yep. like the Canucks fans were on Jim Benning's head for not acquiring a guy, and then they go out and get Tyler Myers. Say what you want about the contract, but he's a guy that at least helped in that capacity a little bit. Yeah, and now you're just sort of again, it's the Schmidt thing brings your team all the way back up again in terms of a good defensive core. Like it's, yeah. it's it hasn't downgraded a lot, but 
right now, Travis Green is going to be relying heavily on his top four. And you do, you do not want that as a coach to only be playing four guys. No, absolutely. Especially when you want to bring in rookies. You need someone uh, you know on the back end that can give you some good, comfortable minutes playing with the Rook. Uh, and one thing to keep in mind is the Canucks can bury about a, just a tad under $1.1 million when they send any, any NHL player down to the minors. So even a guy like a Jordy Ben. Um, hypothetically speaking, you know, if you feel like there's a million dollar defense been on the market that you think is an upgrade at Jordy Ben, they could do that still, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we have to let the dust settle a bit. Um, there's going to be more bargains out there and, and Jimbo's got to do that. But with that said, I, I mean, I'm down at this point to, to give up an asset and, and move some salary out just so it can give us some ability to sign some of these bargain deals there's going to be bargain deals to be made. How I, I get your point about you know moving an asset out to to do that, and I don't disagree with that. But from a more of a long term approach, or at least just looking into the following year, you've got contracts coming off the books. Of course, you've got to sign your two big fishes as well. But is that what you think Jim Benning is thinking? Like just look into next year and and see what we what we can do in terms of contracts and try and bring somebody else in for next season? So I'll tell you one thing. and We, we can't lose sight of this. The expansion draft is one year away. I won't give it a timeline because God knows when the draft's going to actually happen. But it's one year away. All right? uh, Yolevi needs to be protected and uh, Rafferty needs to be protected. Right? Now we've got Nate Schmidt. He's obviously going to get protected. Right? And so... There's a potential for us to still add another defenseman because of the expansion draft, right? And there's an opportunity where we could potentially make a trade involving a defenseman um, or, or even you know involving a forward because Cole Lind is another guy who needs to be protected. Um, there's going to be opportunities here where maybe we trade a Rafferty with you know, a, I don't know, a, a, like a, maybe I won't go as high as an Ericsson, but I don't know, maybe a Sutter or something like that, where we can clear out some space because you feel like, you know what, I don't think we're going to go forward with this prospect anymore. And quite frankly, do you really want to risk losing this pro prospect, uh, you know, in, in the expansion draft? Um, and, and maybe Cole Lind is the guy, you know, I mean, again, I, I do feel like you need to be a bit creative and, and maybe you can rationalize getting rid of, you know, a, or moving out a prospect to uh, clear some space. I think they have to. I mean, I just, I just feel like there's going to be some really, really good deals to be made. And so far we've been sitting on the sidelines, right? I mean, like even, even the other day, what do we have? The, the Trevor Van Riemsdyk signed for, I think like 800 K, I mean, there's a, that's a solid bottom pair guy. When we talk about, you know, someone who can, you know, play bottom pair minutes and, and, and you know, jump into the top four when need be. Matt Benning signed two years, one million. You know, mm -hmm. another solid bottom pair guy. Like, we still need depth. Um, I don't know if, if, you know, how much confidence the team's going to have in two rookies, Rafferty and Yolevi here. Yeah. Um, and even Rathbone, we still need depth, right? There, like, there's, there's still there's a need. No, there's no chance in hell your your bottom pairing is going to consist of Brogan Rafferty, Olio Levy, and Jack Rathbone next year. No, and Jordy Ben. No. There's not a Jordy chance. Ben. There's not a chance. No, not so a chance. No. We we gotta add some some depth still. 
and 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 again, like I, I I would hope that we have an ability to get a steal in the top six. You know, I mean, Josh Levo's another guy who um, yeah. may or may not, you know, get a contract, and I'm pretty sure that's a guy who you could pretty much sign for like close to league minimum potentially because I don't know if he's going to get an opportunity otherwise, right? <laughs> you were probably looking at like one and a half million before COVID. Uh, I think now, maybe half of that now. I mean, yeah, honestly, exactly, like, like, yeah. guys are just like happy to get a one-way deal at this <laughs> yeah, point, right? Exactly, and, right? Uh, like, what's Godet going to get, right? Like, like Godet was looking at the same sort of thing. That's I think Godet is going to get now squeezed to maybe like anywhere from like 1 to 1.3. And and especially for a kid who's got no rights, yeah. Got no... I was I was gonna go even lower, man. I was gonna go like nine hundred thousand. <laughs> hey, speaking of arbitration, one thing I'm really interested in seeing is what happens in the arb hearings uh, this year. Because yeah. I think everybody keeps saying that okay, you, know, you got to park three million for Jake, got to park three million for Jake. Man, if if the Ford market has cratered like we're seeing, right? Like, isn't that something that an arbitrator needs to look at rather than so-called past precedents? Because doesn't doesn't your current market establish what your value is? Like so, I'm just I'm speculating here. So we don't we don't know what a COVID arbitrate market should look like, right? So like correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that you are allowed to compare contracts to UFAs that have signed. So his contract will have to be compared to another RFA. So in that situation... And how many RFAs have signed, right? Exactly, right? Uh, so in that situation, and based on the goal total and everything else that they're going to look at in arbitration, Vertanen might still get you know, the big contract he's going to get, right? He might still get that. Now, I don't know if... That's an much... awful system, man. This system is not pandemic protected, yeah. right? But we'll see if... If, if maybe there's somehow that they they look at it and and say okay listen like you're right he's not truly worth that three million dollars maybe there's a way that the Canucks are able to uh you know avoid arbitration but right now it seems as if arbitration is Bertanen's best friend. Well, I think arbitration is his, his best his best friend in getting at least three mil and you know I mean I'm sure that's probably what he wants. But yeah, maybe you go to Jake and you say hey Jake look let's let's try to get like a long term deal done here. We'll give you three years, two and a half, or something like that, and maybe you're able to shave off half a million. And quite frankly, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if at that point now suddenly that's an attractive contract that you could even potentially move out, right? So if I'm Jimbo, I'm I'm probably trying to get that deal done because I do think arbitration is one of the things that actually lowers Jake's value. But once you get him signed, you know, I think you can actually say, hey, we've got an asset here who's locked up. And we can be traded. I mean, I thought that was one of the reasons why Kapanen was able to get a first-round draft pick. It's a secure asset, locked up at a good price. And, and Jake here just seems that the the arb hearing is is a bit risky. And, and that's what, like, I thought with with Jake. You know, when I expected him to kind of get signed earlier on, and you know, the expectation was you might be able to deal him for a D man. Uh, and I don't know if that's really the the uh, sort of what you want to do now, right? Like, I don't know if that's the priority. Oh, I, 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 would, I would do it hands down. Like, if you told me that I for could who, do a though? Jake for Carlo trade, and I, and I, don't, I don't think this is on the table at all because Boston needs defense, right? But I'm just, I'm totally speculating here, right? Let's imagine you told me Jake for Carlo or even Jake for Uyghur. Uyghur's a name that Florida might move, right? Oh, dude, like, I, I'll, dri- I'll, dri- I'll drive Jake to the, to the airport right now. <laughs> 
Like, no doubt about it. That could even be a trade that gets done because, you know, it does sound like Florida needs wingers. If you look at the, the, the depth chart for Florida, I mean, they, they well, lost. They're losing out on Hoffman and Bannon, right? Hoffman, yeah. So potentially I could see them having interest in Jake. Um, you know, maybe we would have to add something to that. But, like, dude, I mean, I, I would do that trade yesterday. Like, I, I, I would even do, like, Rafferty and Jake, you know, plus, like, a fourth-round draft deck. Um, because you add Uyghur to this, and and, the, and I know Uyghur could probably will get like at least three million dollars, right? Uh, um, but you know, you add that piece to this defense. Ooh, you know, we're talking about like, hey, our defense needs like, dude, you're set, you're good yeah. to go. You know, now your problem really is just your forward group, you know, that, that you need to focus on, right? Yeah, um, your your defense is is set, and that's the thing with like with COVID world, right? Teams are getting screwed over and then there are teams that are making the best of the situation today the vancouver canucks showed an example of both they showed an example of them being screwed over but that was a little bit perhaps to do with their own doing with the cap situation which to me is still bothersome because you had the opportunity to get them done despite how close you are to the ceiling and then then figure it afterwards right yeah afterwards and then today they also showed the ability how of how this COVID world is, is doing them wonders by getting a top D man for pennies on the dollar on the trade market. And guess what? The season might not start till January 1st. There's a lot of time to get these things done. But yep. Jim Penning needs to be more active like he was early later on today than he had been in the first 70 hours of free agency. Because you know, there's only so many Mackenzie Uyghurs. There's only so many yeah. Michael Grandlins. There's only yeah. so many Vatnins and Hamannicks and whoever else that I'm missing on the market. The Canucks do need to act fairly quickly if they want to get these cheap deals. They, they gotta, they gotta keep grinding. Absolutely gotta keep grinding. And, and you gotta, and you've gotta move the money out. Yes, there's, there's absolutely has to be more done here in the next few weeks. Um, and and you know what, like. This was a day where, again, to your point, we saw some good news and bad news. Um, the picture still has a lot, a lot of clarity needed. Yeah, like, you know what? You you can be of the fact that Benning should be fired or fire, hashtag fire Benning, whatever. You can be of that. Uh, but just wait until the culmination point, until we know exactly what's happening. And, you know, it's easy to say, However long we are at free agency now, he hasn't done much. Let's get rid of him. But today he showed that, you know what, there's still a little bit of work to be done. And he's got to continue that path up until Canucks Nation actually gives his full trust into Benning and company. Man, what an entertaining start it's been to this offseason. And I look forward to what unfolds here. Thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, that's a wrap.